Alrighty, everyone. Welcome back to the Rare Petro Podcast. As always, it is myself, Tavis Killian, bringing you another episode of Monday Madness on this chilly, chilly February the 15th. I hope all of you stayed warm through Valentine's Day because it was frigid here in Colorado, and it looks like it may be cold for more parts of the U.S. as well. But I'm getting ahead of myself, and we will be sure to revisit cold weather themes in our new section of this podcast. I know you didn't come here to listen to me make small talk about the weather. You're here for those cold, hard stats and news stories, so without any more delay, we'll jump right in. Now, today is President's Day, so many conventional markets are closed, but thankfully, oil trades every day because no matter how frequently we might forget it, the entire planet uses it every day. If you haven't checked oil and gas prices in the past couple of weeks, I highly recommend you give it a peek. A big bull run on pricing kicked off at $52 on January the 28th, and today, on February the 15th, that price is now over $60, or to be more precise, $60.15 at the time of writing the script. Now, a lot of pressure was attributed to immediate policy changes from Biden and his administration, which I certainly think played a part, but now there appear to be even more factors at play. If I had to blame anything right now, it would certainly be weather, geopolitical factors, classic fundamentals, I mean, all of which we will dive into later in this podcast. For now, you just need to remember, energy markets are incredibly volatile, and Rare Petro has maintained their position that oil would be at $60 within a year of demand destruction. Many more agencies were far more pessimistic, but hey, look where we are now. Last week, I recorded the episode early, so I didn't get to bring you the most updated rig count, but this week, I am atoning for those sins and covering the rig count that was released on Friday the 12th. Way back when Biden introduced the moratorium, I predicted a slightly increasing, if not maintained, rig total for a while. Here we are now, three weeks past, seeing yet another increase in the United States. Five rig increase for a total of 397, which is only down 393 on the year, which is, for the first time in a while, just barely under a 50% decrease for the year. As usual, Texas takes the federal drilling moratorium with grace as much of their lands are private, allowing the Permian to add five more rigs to their already enormous total. But who will be the second winner of the coveted second, second place, place stud of the week championship title? Turns out the Williston Basin is pulling up from out of nowhere, adding one rig to their total, bringing it to 13 for the solid 8% increase. We don't typically cover the Williston Basin news-wise, but it is the area that encapsulates a majority of western North Dakota as a conventional basin that is located two miles shallower than the Bakken. Congratulations to the Williston Basin for securing the second-place second stud, stud of the week championship title. You know how we tie up statistics. We do it by mentioning inventories. Well, hold on to your socks because the reports last week showed that the API concluded a nice 3.5 million barrel drawdown, and the EIA reported a 1.7 million barrel drawdown. Man, I tell you what, it really is nice to see those two at least agreeing about the direction of the drawdown, if not the magnitude. Further analysis of EIA data shows that we are nearly dead center into the five-year range for inventories. Additionally, most news seems to indicate that societies are coming out of lockdown with the distribution of the vaccine, and they're consuming more crude products. In the case of the U.S., a lot of that production isn't returning thanks to some new policies, and cold weather has been driving continued use of the products. Call me an optimist, but I would not be surprised if WTI prices continued to climb throughout the week. Maybe not to the same aggressive extent that we saw in the past two weeks, but upwards nonetheless. And now that we've finished up the statistics, we've got to get into our stories. 
and I've easily established some of the reasons why WTI has increased in price, but even Brent peaked at a high of 63.44, the highest price since January 22nd of 2020, well before March when uh, COVID disrupted a lot of the world. Well, our next story will address some of those geopolitical issues that I hinted at earlier, and uh, was actually a news story sent to me by our CEO, Anthony. Everyone has ears to the ground here at Rare Petro, which is all the more reason that you should subscribe. The Saudi-led coalition that is engaged in the conflict within Yemen said that they had intercepted and destroyed a drone loaded with explosives on Sunday evening. They claimed that it was fired by the Iran-aligned Houthi group towards the kingdom. This easily applied some upwards pressure, especially combined with growing hopes of a U.S. stimulus and increased fuel demand worldwide. Now, while this is not news you would want to hear from a perspective of peace, a resulting price increase is nice but predictable. Conflict in the Middle East is about one of the oldest stories in the book. If you visit the Wikipedia page, List of Modern Conflicts in the Middle East, and sort by casualties, there are 22 events since World War I that have at least 10,000 casualties, with the Iran-Iraq War being second at at least a million. And those are just the large-scale conflicts. Remember that facility bombing at the end of 2019? Well, if you don't, it was claimed that Iranian drones and cruise missiles were responsible for attacks on two key Saudi facilities, which knocked out half of the kingdom's crude production. Big story at the time. I remember I was, I was still at mines my senior year spring semester. Stresses are certainly mounting for many of those Middle Eastern nations as oil and gas brings in a large portion of their revenue. And let me be clear, I am not predicting the end-all, be-all oil war in the Middle East. I just want to use this to highlight how there are geopolitical factors that are much more threatening in scale and much longer in time frame than those previous worries about one or two nations not complying with agreed-upon production cuts. Just some food for thought and another reason for upward pressure on prices internationally. Next up, I mentioned fundamentals and weather impacts on price. First things first, it is cold out there. And I mean cold. Cold enough that your windows freeze on the inside thanks to your breath. Cold enough that snow covering fields and fields of snower panels in Texas is being preserved, really hindering solar energy production. Cold enough that diesel generators are being restarted in Oklahoma just to make electricity to heat homes. Cold enough that turbines in Texas are freezing. Cold enough that energy use for heating is so great that utility customers are being asked to reduce their energy use. That cold. I'll bring it back to Colorado because I know that is where a lot of you are listening from. Platte River Power Authority is a utility company that services Fort Collins, Loveland, Longmont, and Estes Park. They issued a statement on their website saying that they are asking customers to decrease their demand for electricity by postponing dishwasher use, washing machines, electric dryers, and really any other electric devices until further notice. More specifically, they ask that energy use is reduced between the time frames of 4 p.m. to 10 p.m. when demand is at its peak and they really struggle to supply all of those needs, causing energy prices to soar. They continued on to mention that they are prepared for extreme events such as this and are confident that they can continue to provide reliable power. I mean, it's no secret that utility companies are usually prepared to handle the largest demand loads, but if this weather was to extend, it will try to dissuade customers from using as much energy, well, by raising prices, and that could also just be a result of continued energy use and not their dissuasion, as the natural gas that we use to heat our homes and oil and other sources of energy we use to generate electricity become more and more scarce. While this is at the other end of the temperature spectrum, this is a lot like the California situation. Rolling blackouts occur in an attempt to prevent the initiation of even more forest fires, 
and to ration energy that everyone wants to use to cool their homes until enough can be imported to handle the demand. Unfortunately, too much of the United States is affected by the cold right now to effectively handle demand. If things get much worse, we're kind of SOL as we uh, can't exactly call on California to import us some excess energy. Fortunately, it does look like temperatures will improve throughout the week, so hopefully those who lost power and heat will be able to live comfortably this week, as many live in places that were affected by 25 to 45 degree below wind chills, or more simply, occupied places that would be uninhabitable if we did not have access to our wonderful, wonderful hydrocarbons and really other sources of energy that we use to live comfortable, safe, and warm lives. But hey, that is all I've got for you this week for the Rare Petro podcast episode of Monday Madness. And if you're looking to more, I would like to direct you to rarepetro.com. Like I mentioned previously, there's lots of us here at the office, and not only do we do a large quantity of analysis, it's quality analysis too. Kevin is writing great periodicals. Everyone's looking through the news to find the next big thing that you can act on. So please, go to rarepetro.com, consume a lot more of that content, because we make it for you. But that is all I have. You can leave a review. You can contact me directly at podcast at rarepetro.com. And until we see you next time, take care, everybody. <laughs>